0: Welcome to the Moving Beyond Your Tribe, where we dig deep on how to stand out from the crowd by building bridges and breaking free from the comfort zone of colloquialism, industrial language, and jargon to find new words, new thinking, and new approaches to ignite action, mobilize a wider network of ambassadors, create customer loyalty, even in a downturn, and build better internal culture. Hi, I'm your host, Torin. I'm bilingual and throughout my life have straddled two cultures, Norwegian and American. I've worked in 10 different industries spanning 25 countries. I have seen firsthand the power of diverse collaboration to create impact across cultures, countries, and the political divide. On this podcast, we will bring on notable leaders from all walks of life to teach us and provide us tools on how they have moved beyond their comfort zone and create amazing breakthroughs of profit, opportunities, and impact. Now let's get started. Welcome to the Moving Beyond Your Tribe. It's really exciting. This is the uh, second person I'm interviewing from the Legendary Conference. And I heard Nate Zalesnik, who is Russian descent, had a really fascinating story. You know, we talk about moving beyond your tribe, looking beyond ourselves, but what I thought was so interesting is looking within and kind of figuring out a way how can we use our brain to more of a max and that's why i brought nate on because he has a very fascinating exciting story and company so welcome
1: thank you very much i appreciate it
0: tell us a little bit about vibra vision right yes uh, tell us yes. about this because i just thought it was so fascinating you're basically helping blind people see and people that
1: can see, almost understand the blind more in a way. Well, yes, it's uh, quite a bit deeper than that. So we don't actually help the blind see as you or I would see, meaning with ocular vision. This is a mind sight or a blind sight in scientific circles, it's being referred to now, where people can perceive and see the outer world in their mind's eye without using eyes, using other non-visual senses to create a visual image. And so this has been a very interesting well, Torrin, you wouldn't be able to tell by looking at me, but I come from a long line of servant leaders, people in the areas of medicine and healing, prosthetics, and also oh, wow. genetic engineering. Okay. But especially on my father's side, going back over a thousand years to the roots of Jewish mysticism and the creator of the Kabbalah, it's in my blood to wow. want to help other people right. and to have just this burning desire, this drive to do what I can to make the world a better place and especially for those who are less fortunate who I have the ability to serve I will not not serve them and so 21 years ago I had a series of synchro destinies not synchronicities so I think we should tell a little bit about synchro destiny what that really
0: means is that you're you're synchronized with something that happens that you don't really understand why it happened but it's so synchronized that you're like oh my gosh So a lot of people have combined the word synchrodestiny because it's synchronized so perfectly with your destiny.
1: Yes, exactly. (laughs) So a synchronicity, it couldn't possibly be chance. But a synchrodestiny is something that couldn't possibly be chance that then alters the course of your life. Right, And that happened to me in 1998 when I received a videotape from Black Belt Magazine that showed Indonesia. Martial arts.
0: Indonesian martial arts. Indonesian
1: okay. martial arts. And I'd been involved in martial arts for a long time, as had my brother. My brother, Mike, had numerous black belts in different mm-hmm. styles. But we were pretty amazed by what we saw on this tape.
0: And what did you see?
1: Well, we saw people that were breaking steel. They were breaking stone with their heads.
0: Steel and stone with their mm-hmm.
1: head? And as well as other amazing feats. Do we have just... a
0: link to that, like a sample to that, to our website, do you think? Or Actually. It...
1: You know, that is a, it was an Indonesian news broadcast that I don't have anymore.
0: Oh, okay. It was,
1: yeah, it was just something that somebody recorded on their VHS, then duplicated it <laughs> and sold it through Black Belt Magazine. So I'm sorry, no, no I right. can't. But one of the demonstrations on there showed something that we thought was beyond amazing, but thought it had to be a trick. And that was people who were blindfolded running through obstacle courses. They were riding motorcycles through traffic. They had military members with an air rifle that would shoot balloons out of a person's mouth and out of their hands and in from between their legs.
0: And they were blind. They
1: were blind. Rifle. They were had a hood over their whole head, wow. cinched at the neck. And there was even a demonstration by some blind people that was done for the Sultan of Oman at the time where people from the audience would come down and they would write on a whiteboard, they would draw something and they would write a word. And then these blind gentlemen would go up and use their hand to quote unquote, scan what was on the board and duplicate it. And they did it flawlessly. And so the assistant to the Sultan was beside himself that this was an amazing thing that can change everything as we know it. Well, they had never trained a Westerner. They had never trained a non-Indonesian in this, even though this particular art was a cultural heritage. Of Indonesia. Of Indonesia. It was held within the royal family of Central Java until 1963, when there was a huge civil uprising and hundreds of thousands of Indonesian people were killed during this time. So the 10th generation royal heir, to this knowledge, the martial art, as well as the Multisensory ability and internal energy generation.
0: Multisensory ability. I think that's a really great. You're really helping people to be multisensory.
1: Exactly, right. and that is a, a term coined by Gary Zukav, author Gary Zukav. What happened was they released it to the Indonesian public to help the people be more connected, but also be able to defend themselves better. Oh. But they held it only within the national uh, Indonesian identity until me, until so you. You're the brother, first Mike, one. I and my brother are the very first non-Indonesians to ever be allowed to learn this method, or wow. much less teach it. So the way that an this... an
0: honor. How did that happen?
1: Well, the way that happened, thank you for asking, <laughs> because it was a sinker <laughs> destiny that I should... It is a sinker destiny of an order of magnitude where I would never be the same again. And everything in my life that has followed from that time...
0: Completely changed you.
1: It, it changed me, but... It could never have been accomplished without these things happening in this succession. So I got this VHS tape. We watched it a few times. We saw the blindfolded people, and we thought it was bull. Because, I mean, magicians do that, right? (laughs) Yes. But, of course, you see something like that. You have to watch it a few times. But it was very intriguing to me that they did show some blind people doing it, and they also had military members doing this. Because what government puts anything in the hands of their most elite troopers— that might get them killed. Right. Nobody. Right. So I, I, there was something gnawing at me inside that that had to be real. To some, to some degree, the very next day, and I mean the next day, the universe said, "Okay, pay attention to this." I was stopped at a traffic light right in front of the Utah Schools for the Deaf and Blind, and there was a blind individual waiting to cross the street in front of me. Well, the they got the signals, started the chirps. And their dog, their guide dog, led them around the. Well, the guide dog went around the pole and led the blind person. She went straight headfirst into the light pole. Oh no! And I'm sitting there, six feet or seven feet away, very close. I mean, I was right there in the right hand lane, and I was thinking, "Whoa, that was a close one." That I mean, that could have been fatal if that dog had led her across. uh, uh, This is before Teslas, but. I mean, think if it was a silent vehicle like a Tesla and the blind person just went out on the road. It
0: doesn't even hear it, right? Because you're, you're, you're thinking about sound when you're blind.
1: Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So if the so,
0: Tesla came, you could you die.
1: Well, not yeah. me, her. No, yeah, I mean, her. I mean, I yeah, her. Yeah. And so it hit me right then. I wonder if those Indonesian people help blind people. They could help blind people here. And I had to know that that part of my heritage, my genetics, that says, you are here to help people. Your mission in life is not to work at the credit card company you're working at right now. You can do more. You are here to do more. And you must do more. From that point on, I took two weeks at the local county library in the earlier days of the Internet. Not everybody had. Even dial-up, I didn't, right. much less high-speed internet. That wasn't even a thing at that point. And so I found the people on that video. I only you found the people. I only found there were only two words in the whole broadcast that I could understand. Marpati Puti, which means white dove in the Indonesian language. So I looked up and I finally found them. And I reached out and I contacted them. And I asked them, do you do anything to help blind people? like on a larger scale. And they said, oh, absolutely, we have a foundation, and we've trained thousands of blind people. And we even use this for our most elite commando paratroopers in our military in place of night vision or to accent it or to enhance it, their combat performance at night. But they also use it for search and rescue. So they can can scan underneath landslides to see, to feel, not see, but to feel and intuit and know where survivors are and tell rescue personnel, dig here, they're alive, don't dig over there, they're not there. And that's featured in their news in Jakarta and all over Indonesia quite regularly. I have numerous news clips at home where these special units are called in to do that. So
0: how did you get them to persuade someone outside of the Indonesian culture (laughs) How did they get, how did they say yes? Once, how did you get them yeah. to say
1: yes? Once again, a synchro destiny. They had been looking for a US representative for several years, but nobody wanted to step up to the plate. Really? So originally, my brother and I, we just wanted to help blind people. We just wanted to help bring them over here so they could show that this is real and we would just be liaisons. Right. But we never had any hope that we would be able to learn it. They'd never trained a Westerner, they'd never trained a non Indonesian. Right. So, we just wanted to help. You know, we just, we knew that here's a situation where we can make a difference.
0: But how do you think, and I think this is kind of where the moving beyond your tribe, how were you able to connect with the Indonesians in such a way that they bridge their suspicion of West, Western folks or just this misunderstanding where they haven't really been able to find someone? How were you able to bridge that?
1: That's a good question. Originally, we brought them over here. My brother and I, we sold all of our stuff. We went into massive credit card debt to help fly these, this team of people to demonstrate we this did? over here. Oh, well, I, w- I really wanted to see it for myself. Because wow, I still amazing. thought it was like, BS. eh, uh, I'm a Westerner. you got to prove it to me. Right. And we just thought we were going to help set up some demonstrations, and that was it. Right. Not learn it. So the thing is, they were looking for U.S. representatives, not U.S. students, and not U.S. trainers. Oh. Just people to help spread the message. So once I got a chance to meet them and they met my brother, Mike and I, and we, ha- we uh, housed them in our house. And I tell you, they brought two blind gentlemen with them that they walked right into my house. They put their clothes away. They cooked us dinner. They were behaving in a completely alien environment as if they had full eyesight even though you couldn't see their pupils. Their eyes were completely clouded over. Wow. It was obvious they they're fully blind.
0: Could find the utensils in the, in, in the drawers, oh, yes. pick them up, find the pots and pans, completely blind, and make the food.
1: Yes. Wow. As if they were not blind.
0: As if they were not blind. Now,
1: I have wow. a lot of blind friends, and one of, uh, two of whom are amazing chefs. Amazing chefs. So just because somebody's blind, that doesn't mean they can't cook well. They can cook uh, as good as anyone however in an unfamiliar environment where you don't know where the drawers are you don't know where the utensils are you don't know where the so cooking cookware is
0: you can't always I,
1: well you have to go through every <laughs> door okay and then we forget where was yeah. it and so it was a very humbling experience when I had the opportunity to really experience wow. blind people using this and the people that they brought over that were not blind also demonstrating it and so a year later. Uh, uh, well, at that time, let me rewind just a little bit. We So it was nine months we worked to bring these people over here. And they came over and they there was an Indonesian gentleman at the airport waiting. I go out there and here's an Indonesian gentleman. I'm going, who's this guy? All right. And so we met him. And it turns out he was there just living in Salt Lake City. He was a ear, nose, and throat surgeon in Indonesia here in the University of Utah getting his postdoctoral master's in speech pathology. And he also happened to be a former special forces and army trainer of this art.
0: Oh, wow. Living here. Living here?
1: Living in uh, right here in Salt Lake.
0: Oh, my gosh.
1: And so he was about 45 minutes away from us. And there were only three trainers in the whole country that were of a significant rank right. to teach this. One was at the Indonesian embassy in Washington, D.C. The other one was at the L.A. consulate general's office. The third one just happened to live 40 miles away from us. So another synchro <laughs> destiny. And he did not want to train us, but the 11th generation heirs asked, asked him to begin training us as the first Westerners, the first non-Indonesians. And
0: They asked?
1: So wow. after they went home and we did some exercises that were unlike anything I've ever done before, well, obviously a lot since, but there is no other exercise or breath work technology or meditation system like Marpati Puti. How do you say it?
0: Marpati Puti?
1: Marpati Puti, And that's yes. and
0: that's the whole multi-sensory training that you're talking
1: about. No, that's all of it. That's all the of it. martial arts forms, the combat, the energy healing, energy development. So when people mm. think chi, they think prana, they think electromagnetism or bioelectricity. I know of no other system that builds that in the human body faster than Marpati Bhuti. Wow. Now, that's this is not a sit down and listen to one hand clapping meditation type system. <laughs> there is that component, yes, but it is very intense, very rigorous in order to create the electromagnetism in the body.
0: So what did you have to go through so you could go? Because you told me earlier this week where someone could go to a store where they blindfolded here in america that's been trained by you that could actually go and pick up old spice sure Sure. like from an uh, an aisle without having to feel and anything so how do you train for them how did they train you to become
1: okay so with those aspects that i was talking about i only mentioned the first four the fifth is what we call vibra vision or vibration vision vibra vision is our trademark term And that is a way of unlocking all of the different sensors in our body in order to perceive the world without our eyes. And in some cases, not everyone gets to this level, but in some people, they can do things that you or I cannot do, like see through walls, see through clothing, and detect guns, knives, things for security. The search and rescue, where you need ground-piercing radar to find... Where there's an open pocket in the rubble, things like that. And they can do this using their intuition. And this, I guess, the nerd term would be (laughs) the non local function of real time remote viewing to be Mm -hmm. nerdy about it. Yeah. Yeah. And so, with this in mind, once we met him at the airport, he said, Okay, I'm going to be your trainer. And we're like, What? Okay. We thought it was going to be kicking and punching, blocking doing sweeps and maybe some <laughs> grappling. Right. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. This is a martial art system that is unlike any ever or anywhere because it has so many different disciplines in it. Right. Vibrovision is just one.
0: One of five. Was that what you said? One of
1: the five. One of the yes. five, Yes. Right. So for the past 20 years, we've owned and operated the MP USA Martial Arts and Fitness Academy in Ogden, Utah, where we would teach family martial arts which would focus just on the martial arts movement. The adult martial arts, which focused on all five aspects. All
0: right.
1: The Wealth of Health, which now we've rebranded to be the MBS Recharge, or the Mind-Body-Spirit Recharge, which focuses on the energy work and energy development and meditation only. And then vibrovision. And then we also have our vibrovision Foundation, which is a 501c3 to help blind people be able to afford the training and for their travel costs, etc., to
0: come here and to learn
1: how to see without seeing yes as a, as an additional non-visual skill we'll never say to anybody oh yeah you don't need a cane you don't need a dog you don't no. need vocational rehab please just come and learn Bible vision no 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 that's a that's not responsible and b it's not ethical because not everybody gets it to the degree that they can Play laser tag or play video games and things but like what is that. What
0: does the medical field say about this? Has anyone okay. has anyone done any research on this? Because this is quite extraordinary. Yeah. This is like a quantum.
1: It is. This is a quantum perception. Yeah. That is happening, and it's starting to become more and more understood. Right. Uh, we've recently been featured in a documentary called Superhuman: The Invisible Made Visible, which is uh, as of this we'll time right on now. On
0: Netflix in our show yeah. notes.
1: Well, it's on Amazon. Oh,
0: we'll put Amazon. the link there. Okay, okay. awesome.
1: Yeah. On Amazon, but it's also as of right now, it's number four on iTunes. So oh, wow. it's gaining a lot of traction because it's taking science and it's taking medical professionals looking at people doing what should be considered impossible, and they're measuring it and going, "Yes, this is the change that is happening." Do we know exactly how it's happening? No, but. If a toilet flushes, I don't need to know all the inner mechanisms of wow. how a toilet works as long as it flushes. The same with your car. I don't need to know everything about what's inside of my car, but I know it runs and it gets me point A to point B. Mm. This, of course, that comes later down the road. But to answer, you know, your question as far as what does the medical community say? The president of the Utah Association of Naturopathic Physicians has come and trained in this. Oh, really? Yes. His name's Dr. Jeff Wright. He's down in Provo. And we have his official endorsement. Wow. We have had Dr. Lawrence Wang, who's an optometrist from Las Vegas. And he's also a vision researcher, scientist and researcher for 20 plus years. He has taken it, our course, and he endorses us.
0: So we can become, in a sense, in a way, more superhuman. Like We can use more of our brain and capabilities than we could have ever imagined
1: without a doubt well and that's the thing society has not given us permission to believe that this stuff is possible right it's only in movies right it's only right. that's daredevil things like that where people can sense things or uh, in the matrix the right. third one when neo gets his eyes burned out but he can still see the machine city or how about star wars with luke skywalker with the shield and he's got a block. Because yeah,
0: that's actually what you can do now. That's
1: exactly what we do. And we actually wow. have lightsabers and we throw beanbags at our people, <laughs> and they block them. And so that's
0: incredible. But how do you train for that? Like how? How? Like if you take the course that these doctors took from you, mm-hmm. what can you graduate from in a sense? How can you? Be, how do you open up the multisensory parts of your brain? Sure.
1: Well, that is a proprietary process.
0: It's a proprietary. Mm-hmm. Process.
1: Yep. Okay. But you know, we want to find out more about not just How, but, excuse me, not just the what. Like, yes, it's it's possible because we can do it, but the how. How is this happening? And to that end, last year, we had Dr. Jeffrey Fannin, who is one of the most respected and renowned neuroscientists on the planet, come to Ogden, Utah. Oh, wow. And put his brain mapping equipment, his quantitative EEG equipment on our people and map their brains while they did this. And he submitted an initial report and in his author's note, he says in over 25 years of studying the brain, thousands of brains, st- brain scans, he has never seen what he says, what he sees now. Ever. Wow. So we're just right here on the cusp of, Really helping so many people, not just the blind community, yeah. but the mindfulness community. Everybody out there, whether they have eyesight or not, who knows that we have the ability to perceive more than what we thought we did, who have had experiences that they can't quite explain, mm. who know that they have gifts that they, they don't know how the, to tap. Yeah, they
0: don't know how to tap. So, like, if you, how long did it take you to train to get all those five? points that, that, uh, that the royalty of Indonesia allowed you yeah. to be trained?
1: In. How long did it take me, or how long would it take most other people?
0: Well, first, how long it took you, okay. and then how long it takes most
1: people. Okay. So, my brother Mike and I, since our trainer mm-hmm. was a former military trainer, he tried his best to kill us, really. He didn't want <laughs> us to train. He was training because he was told he had to train us, but he was very averse to non-Indonesian learning this.
0: Oh, how interesting. So he
1: put us through close to or essentially the special forces training that they get there. Oh, my
0: gosh.
1: Without all of the combat drills and the long runs with heavy packs and firing missile launchers. I really wish we would have gotten to fire some missile launchers, but we didn't. (laughs) And so we did our first level. And they're different than, say, karate, where you have a white, yellow, orange, purple, blue, green, brown, black belt. These are level one level two level three etc all the way up to level 11
0: so you go 11 levels
1: 11 levels the 11th level is only for the royal heirs no one can achieve that level except for them that's a family thing For so which
0: level are you on
1: i am on level seven
0: seven
1: my brother at level eight yeah so it would be the equivalent in traditional like if you went to japan right I would be equivalent of a fourth degree black belt. My brother would be the equivalent of a sixth degree black belt.
0: Oh my gosh! Yeah. Wow! And
1: so we've been at this as professionals every single day for twenty years. Wow! And but Do you for the average person,
0: cup go up to a higher level? Or yeah. Are you?
1: I'm. I'm actually really good with where I'm at. Yeah. I have so well. <laughs> many. There are so many energy work techniques and meditations <laughs> that I have several lifetimes worth to yeah. ever possibly master them all. So, there's no need for me to add more onto my plate. However, with the average person, if they came to our school and they were training in the martial arts, which we don't actually train that anymore, we're focusing 100% on fiber vision now because that is the part of this system that is going to revolutionize the world. It is. Kicking and punching, there are a lot of people who do that. MMA, that happens. A lot of people tune in, it's a multi billion dollar industry. But how about a Jedi X Games? Right. Or a Jedi Ninja Warrior,
0: right?
1: where people are able to do obstacle courses right. blindfolded. Or how about uh, the fact that we have over 175,000 blind veterans in this country, right. and only 40% of them ever get any help through the VA at all. And the rest...
0: How long does that training take, the ViberVision?
1: So that's where we're bucking the system. Okay. In Indonesia, you would have to train for four to five years before you would ever learn any ViberVision training at all. Mm. four to five years of this hard style, iron body, breath-holding martial oh, Because they're mat- so holistic, yeah. Well, it's because they want to keep it secret and only train those who have been deemed worthy to learn that part, the vibrational sensing part. So we like realize- with the five
0: levels, you're taking mm-hmm. the first four before you can get to the fifth.
1: Absolutely.
0: Okay. Are they permitting you to, to do this shortcut or are they kind of like...
1: So... Here's where we get into the bucking of the system. All we ever wanted to do was bring VibraVision to America to help the blind, help the visually impaired community, but also help all of humanity redefine their paradigm of what they know is possible and what they know is possible to perceive. Well, in the past couple of years, we've made a radical transition where we now allow people, whether they've trained in the martial arts or not, To come in to learn just the vibrovision with no martial arts. It's not easy. It does require a lot of body postures, memorization. It's like yoga with a supercharger, if you will. And very specific meditations that help us to align all of us, all of our antennae. And really start to perceive the vibrations of all the atoms around us. Because that's everything is energy and all energy carries information. So we are teaching people how to decipher that information. Now, as far as with myself, I've done very well on the first four aspects. But the fifth one, the vision for myself, it's not my strong suit. Just like some people are naturally gifted at math, other people are, have a fantastic memory, I've been the forms and the healing and the energy, like breaking steel, stone, things like that. that those have been my main focuses. But we have trained some people that are naturally just...
0: What makes person a natural vibra-vision person, a multi sensor person? We don't know. You don't
1: know? There's no commonality that we've been able to find. Oh, right. We don't know if it's a genetic thing. We don't know if it is a lack of certain limiting beliefs or a certain set of inspiring beliefs. We don't know if it's a specific brainwave pattern. That's hence the neuroscience and the right. brainwave study. The studies that we're doing. Because we don't know. We know it works because we can see it works. And I've experienced it myself where I've had amazing vibrovision in Indonesia on my test. I actually scored higher than anybody else testing. And there were, uh, it was the national test. Wow. But it was after a prolonged period of dehydration, a near-death experience where I left my body and came back, malnutrition and wow. sleep deprivation as well as severe fatigue from a test that had already been going on for about seven hours straight. And I was so out of my head that my higher self could do it. But I think a lot. And that's been my biggest bane, is that I'm so analytical that I get in my own way, which I think we're all guilty of in a lot of ways. But meditation definitely helps us, not only with our health, but also our perception and our intuition and we haven't ever I mean there is nothing else like this that helps in those regard those regards. So if
0: I was gonna take the course, how long would it take me, like maybe on average, or just to learn some of the perception that so that I could pick out old spice in the aisle. I guess that's probably yeah.
1: okay. And that really depends on the person, right? right. We can't make any guarantees no, that no. oh you would be able to do that. No. Um, I, I can equate it to music. Let's say you want to become a violinist. Right. Well, Yitzhak Perlman is...
0: I, I used to be a violinist.
1: So you know who you thought, yeah, Yitzhak like Perlman. Yeah, four years. Yeah. But to get as good as him?
0: To get as good as...
1: Yitzhak Perlman. One of the best of all oh, oh, in the I would world. To, oh, I'd right? never
0: be there because right? I don't have
1: the talent. Exactly. Well, and so but, there is that. Yes. But you for four years, did you practice a lot?
0: I did. I did practiced practice four or five times a week.
1: Okay, yeah. excellent. For how long?
0: like 40 minutes 30 minutes or something
1: like okay. that and what level would you say you got to like university
0: i was at a university or, level um, and and i had a choice in life do i continue with violin or do i come to the u.s and learn english and, and do life so i gave wow. up my violin to
1: do that wow so, but I, I
0: realized i was mediocre like i i, I didn't love it i think I think you have to love what you do, and I didn't love the violin enough to be alone by myself. I love too much connecting with people like you, right? Well,
1: and and after this, we have a very similar story. You and I will talk about that more because I was a classical clarinetist for nine years, Um, but I also didn't love it. Right? It was something that I did two hours every single day with the tiger mom over me saying, you must practice (laughs) and get your scholarship to Weber State University. I'm like, yes, ma'am. And the thing is, though, that some people come to our workshops and they're five days long. Our five-day workshops are it's literally 40 to 45 hours over the course of five days of non-stop training we have training manuals we have one of the most comprehensive online meditation curriculums for post event attendees to help people develop this ability because we're really rewiring the neurology and the neural hardware the plasticity of the brain through these exercises so some people pick it up a lot faster especially children Oh, my God, I imagine, Chick, totally, kids really, yeah. Kids are just like, well, sure, I can see without my eyes. And adults are like, <laughs> what you what you talk about, Willis? What? And so that's not always the case, though. Right. And so after that, then we have practice schedules. We have online trainings. We have different post event support for people so that they can train and they can develop. And they do have to have that drive, though. Just it's almost like, like the
0: violin. You're taught like you're taught the scales, you're taught the notes, but you have to learn the music. Yes. And so it's kind of like you're giving in those five day course. You're giving us the music, the methods, and then you're like afterwards. Now you're gonna have to train to keep it up and to become
1: multisensory. Absolutely. Well, it's exactly right. So once you learn how to read music. Right. Well, when you go home, you've got to do your scale of the thirds, scales of fifth, scales of right. sevenths. So you right. have to do <laughs> yeah. all these things right. that are required to achieve proficiency before you can actually go and play with the Berlin Philharmonic. Right. And some of our people are at that level. I am not at that level yet of right. Berlin Philharmonic. Yeah. I'm like, okay, I'm working on my scales because I that has never been my mission. Right. I've never had that passion to learn this. You had the much passion is, to
0: open it up to other people.
1: Absolutely. I understand so my, my role as a cal- catalyst and a facilitator. Yes. yes. I love what I do, though. And I tell you, when I, um, one of the most powerful experiences Such a I've had. are gift. i know.
0: unique out of this blue. <clears throat> when I heard you, I was like, I have to have you on my podcast.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah well, it, it's very rewarding, though, because I'll tell you the story of one of our blind students who my brother is actually training in Arizona right now. Like at this moment, it is 7.45 in the evening in Arizona because they're on Pacific time. He is training them in vibration, five blind people right now. Oh,
0: how lovely.
1: One of them, though, it was her first workshop with us. And she was there with a man who was her husband, her now her husband, who is also blind. He's our very first fully blind student who has trained with us regularly for over a period of time. And it was either her third or fourth day she was on the ground, sitting down on the ground, crying. And we ran over and we're like, Tiffany, what, what's wrong? She's like, I can see my hands. She, she put an F word in there that I won't say for the podcast. Right. I can see my effing hands. I can see them. Now, she lost her sight to glaucoma. Right. So I'm like, okay. I started picking up these colored bean bags. We use bean bags, not spiked maces, for training, because they're soft and they're safe. Right. So I hold up this beanbag. I'm like, Tiffany, what color is this? And she's like, it's yellow. I'm like, oh my God, put it down. What one is this? It's blue, it's red, it's green. And she was like, bang. She could see the colors as I was holding them up in front of her. And she'd only been doing it four days. Of course, like all skills, we get good and we plateau plateau, or we slide backwards and have to refine our skill there, especially when it's one that is affected by stress, it's affected by your physical condition, it's affected by a different things so that we're not quite sure what allows people to turn it on at will or what stands in the way. But we do know that being stressed and under pressure shuts it down immediately. We're pretty sure that the amygdala gets triggered, triggered, and that shuts down our ability because it puts us in fight or flight. And so Isn't that fascinating?
0: Yeah. So it's like uh, we have to get out of the flight or flight mode and no matter what we want to do in life, to really be maximized to our Isn't ability. is
1: that the truth?
0: Wow, I never thought yeah. of that.
1: And so how this wow. is helping us, as far as human beings, to see across tribes, is when you're able to perceive the heart of a person, and you're able to see the energy of a person, people that you would never have associated with before, normally, based upon your cognitive bias and your judgment of other people, which we all have, just be honest about it. To be able to see more of a human being as they are, not as you think that they are or you perceive them to be, opens up the room for dialogue and understanding and communication between people that would never have been there if they did not, if one person, at least one person of that dialogue did not have a greater awareness of the whole and especially the person that they're talking with. It's so
0: interesting. So... Because you've really worked with Indonesian culture now for 20 years. Yes. So, like, yes. you, number one, they opened up the door for you to be the first Western to be trained. Uh, and then you must have gone back and forth, or you've been to Indonesia, I would assume. And how, like, through this experience of another culture, being being a custodian of their great gifts, bringing it over here, being a caretaker of it, how has, how has your experience been
1: about learning that? Okay. Well, first of all, it was a very big culture shock because Southeast Asia, quite a bit different than America. All right. However, you know, I, I do want to put in the caveat from what I said earlier that we're teaching fiber vision right out of gates to people now, but we are doing so with the blessings of the 12th generation heir. I'm going
0: to ask if they can do Okay. The question about the, um, when you weren't the king, the question I had was, how do you, bridge this culture and the culture
1: you're talking about how, cult- how difficult it was for the culture oh without a doubt yeah um you know i love the culture i love the food love the textiles the clothing i love the people however they do have a lot of dogma they do have a lot of ritual they do have a lot of rote material that they have set aside i guess yeah that that's one way to put it that does not jive with the american way of thinking so over there they're used to a hierarchical system in a lot of ways. So not the king, but the heirs. There is no king anymore. It's 400 years ago it would have been the king. But when the Dutch occupied Indonesia and took them over, that disappeared, right? right. So these are the heirs to the knowledge. They are the royal the descendants. Okay. So it's passed down that way. Just to clarify with that. So to take this ancient Indonesian secret... And bring it over here and have all of the formulary that goes along with what they do over there where uh, a senior trainer says, do this. They don't question. They're like, jump off a bridge. Okay, jump off a bridge. In America, we tend to say, well, well, why? (laughs) What does that get me? And so we have had to modify the way that it is taught where it's not as brutal. It's not as do do as I say, no matter what I do, just do as I say as it is over there. Right. And so we have modified it to be very much more in alignment with our not only teaching methods, but also our learning styles here in America. But with VibraVision, that one, we have eliminated so much of the dogma and we've put in, there's so much happening with in the field of quantum physics and understanding of perception. Now, that was not happening even 10 years ago. That we're now getting a greater understanding on that level that we bring into our workshops along with the methodology that creates the results. And we're having fantastic results with people. Just mind-blowing, mind-blowing. So
0: how have the Indonesians feel now that they look back, they've given you the secret? Are they happy with you as caretakers? How is that relationship
1: Our relationship is wonderful. We've been over there several times. My right. brother, Mike, lived with the royal family in their backyard, oh, like wow. in their house for six months in 2013 to oh learn VibroVision and all the different methodologies. He was training with them every single day. Oh my and so we are here with the blessing of the royal family. That's amazing. And we've always done our best to uphold the highest standards of the training, always point back to source and... When it comes down to it, the reason that it was even released at all, meaning VibraVision, is to help all of humanity. This is for the world,
0: wow.
1: not just for the few, but for everyone.
0: So are you teaching other people to have a school like yours then? Or is it, um, how is that going? And have you, uh, is there other schools in other places in Europe? Or yeah. is it just here? Or how have you taken that further?
1: Okay, so vib- Vibrovision itself this, this art, we're the only school in the United States. However, we are right now in the process of developing our scaling structure so that oh, we can great. take this to other places. Right. In Europe, there is one school in the, the Netherlands. There's one school in Australia. There's one in Japan. And there's one in Korea.
0: Were they all taught by you or was it that they oh, opened up after
1: you? Yes, they opened up after us.
0: Okay. Yeah. So you were the first, but then they opened up afterwards to teach certain other schools.
1: Yes, and there are thousands of schools in Indonesia. Right. That's a. I mean, that's it's like baseball here. Right. I mean, everybody knows what it is. Everybody thinks we're crazy because we break metal, and f- but as far as the seeing without eyes, that's no, that's nothing to them. The Indonesian public's just like, yeah, that's what they do. They're so used to seeing it from childhood right. and paranormal or spiritual or extrasensory events happening in their family happening all around them it's just a normal comp part of life so there is not that same knowingness or limiting belief structure right. in their way of upbringing right. because they're seeing it all the time right. here, here it's much more difficult so i uh, as is that far as because
0: of the western philosophy that you've been so taught to be scientific correct that we have lost our sensory.
1: I think that has a lot to do with it. But I'm not going to say that the scientific method is bad, not in any way, shape, or form. I love it. It's a compliment. Absolutely. Well, okay, there are so many things that we cannot prove with science that we can see are actually happening. Right. But you don't want to just believe everything that comes along. No,
0: you don't.
1: So having a discerning mind, being an open-minded skeptic, but not a cynic... It's very important if you want to see the truth in anything. Show me, and then I'll believe it. Prove it to me. Let me experience it myself, and I will know it. But then you also have other people that just say, nope, you can't do it. It's not possible because I said so. And they will never see anything except for their limitations and the limitations of other people. And that's okay. This fiber skill and all the other ones out there are not for people like that. It's not on their path. They're not ready for it, that's just fine. There are plenty who are. There are plenty who are. And humanity is now coming into a different era of understanding, of perception. Right. And yeah. the children coming before. in are coming in with gifts that older generations just didn't have. Yeah. It's a time. So
0: when you look back at your relationship with Indonesia, you look at your, because your, you're really expanding the whole sense of, of, how we interact with people. Mm -hmm. What have you learned? Like, what would to be three lessons for someone that's listening to this? You know, what what have you learned?
1: Okay, so are you asking, just to clarify, are you asking three things about Indonesian culture or things that I've learned from interacting with a different culture?
0: That's the last one.
1: Okay, so the first one, never prejudge anyone based upon what you think before you've had a chance to know them. Indonesia is the largest Muslim nation in the world. So, right. right off the bat, people, you know, might say Muslim and then p- put their own bias on anybody from that right. country because they think of this particular religion in a certain way. Right. Indonesian people are some of the most generous, beautiful, happy people with hands down the best cuisine in the world. <laughs> they, I mean, there's the Spice Islands. Oh yeah, they are. I to go there. Yeah.
0: Yeah, Oh, that's gorgeous.
1: Um, There's just an absolutely beautiful culture, and some of the most generous people I've ever met in my life, anywhere in any country. So that's the first thing. Don't prejudge. Suspend your knowingness about a person or about a culture until you actually experience them. Don't look at what the news tells you. Don't look at what people tell you. Don't look at what your past has told you. Come to it with an open mind and an open heart so that you can really experience them as they are, as, as you're able to. Uh, the second thing, Indonesia is very hot. So take lots of suntan lotion if you burn easily and don't take a coat. No, that's not my real, my number two. The second part, just interacting with cultures in general, is do your best to learn their language when you're there.
0: So do you speak Indonesian?
1: No. I never have a chance to practice here. Right. But when I'm in Indonesia, I just gobble it up. How much can I learn? How much can I learn? But right. then um, I come home and I never practice it. And, of course, you lose it right. or you use it or lose it. Right. And I lost it. It's been a has it's been back. Well, you more have a sense back.
0: of understanding of the culture and understanding yes. of, you know, how to greet people so they yes. kind of understand that you respect
1: them. Yes, without a doubt. Without a doubt. And that's very important. I too many rec- accounts that I've heard from people from other countries who are just like, Americans are so arrogant, they expect us to learn their language or speak their language when they come to our country. Like, oh, well, yeah, uh, specifically okay. Americans. Yeah, but
0: English is the largest language in the world. I so agree. People speak it the most. It's I like agree. all over, so it's like, it's kind of yeah. it's kind of been that language.
1: True. Oh, but I'm just, yeah. other no, people's yeah. feelings are what they are. So. Yes. And I would say, for me, the third thing, as far as, interacting with people of other cultures kind of touches almost upon what I said in number one, but in a different way. Instead of looking at what is so amazing and unique and different about these people, if you come to that with an open heart, understanding that we are all one, that these are the same, these people are the same as I am, it gives you an appreciation of their culture and of the people that you cannot get any other way than realizing we are all one tribe on this planet. There is no other freaking planet. It's a fishbowl. We can't get out of the fishbowl. So, we can't get out of the fishbowl. Rather than uh, seeing anybody of any other nationality, race, religion, creed, or sexual orientation, anything as being different than us, realizing and understanding the similarity and the oneness and the sameness within us. That's where connection comes from. Tolerance is not connection. Tolerance is putting up with something.
0: See this one more time. That's really, really good.
1: Tolerance is not connection. Realization of sameness and similarity. That's connection. I just made that up. Oh, that's Copyright, Nate 2020. We're going to put that on the quote.
0: There. That's amazing. <laughs> this is incredible. I, so, like I coming think. down to close. What is your hack? Like, what's your life hack? Life hack or.
1: Uh, I've got one, but I won't, uh, I'll tell you afterwards. It's it's not, it's it's a great hack, but it's probably not for a podcast.
0: What is something that you tell someone else to make life easier?
1: Uh, Wake up every single morning and do not get out of bed until you have achieved a state of gratitude. Unless you're going to pee the bed, in which case, get up and then (laughs) go back to bed and don't get out until you've achieved a state of gratitude and an elevated emotion. Hmm. and once you do that everything is easier everything becomes easier and everything flows and goes your way a lot more than if you wake up either worried about the stress of the past and things you can't change or worried about the stress of the future and things that haven't happened yet it's called presence
0: presence in the state of gratitude Yes. from the man that brought ViberVision to the US wow it's been an honor talking to you It's so amazing to see the beautiful work that you're doing. And I wish you really, really
1: well. I appreciate it. Thank
0: you. Thank you for listening. If you happen to like this episode, please share with your friends. And if you're new, please pop on over to your favorite podcast app and subscribe. Leave us a review. We'd love to hear from you and how we can improve and make this better or how this has helped you. Don't forget to join us next week for another episode.